Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, if you're into us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. Our number is 296901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks all around the country and all around town. Well, that's things happen in South Louisiana that don't necessarily happen in Montana. Or That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in New Orleans, they're setting up for the dropping of the Fleur de Lis. Right. New York, of course, has a dropping of the ball. Right. Well, New Orleans has a dropping of the Fleur de Lis. Well, of course. <laughs> of course. That's gotten to be pretty popular. They got Decatur Street blocked. blocked. All, oh, man. They got oh, yeah. three quarters of the French corner shut down so i'm really looking forward to having to drive back <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you can walk you can walk anywhere you want well i park way over on iberville street and walk six blocks to where i live uh-huh. just because i can get in and out of there right <laughs> so anyway you got a question or a comment about something automotive <laughs> you just go ahead and give us a call 291-6901 thought that we would talk just a little bit because like last week which we said it'd be the last right li- live show of the year which Technically, I thought about it. On podcast, okay. it will be. Okay. That's the last one. But if you listen live, of course, today's show is technically still 2017. Correct. But the podcaster. We'll get the 2018 version. There you go. They, they won't hear it until <laughs> next week, so it will be the first show of the next year. All right. Kind of confusing there. But we talked a little bit about some of the common calls and stuff that we've had. And, you know, one thing that I get a question on a lot because a lot of folks are driving cars that are older now. Sure. I think I read somewhere where the average age of the fleet in the United States is up about five or six years over the last 20 years. People just keep cars longer. Right. Number one, they cost a whole lot more. Number two, if you take care of them, they last a little longer. But one question that I get quite a bit is, is this car worth repairing? And that is a viable question when you're faced with a large repair. Sure. For instance, let's say you've got a oh a 2005 model car, 150,000 miles on it, and it needs a transmission. Well, that could be anywhere from 2000 to $4,000, depending on what kind of car it is and, and so on. So it begs the question, is it worth me investing this much money into this car? And the two sides of the coin are, number one is, well, that's more than the car is worth. Well, it depends. But the other side of the coin is, what is it going to cost to get from point A to point B? Exactly. Because let's say you've got a good car with a problem, but everything else is good on it. Well, the $3,000 average to put a major repair on it is still a lot less than anything else you can buy. Oh, exactly. You can't buy a car for $3,000. Well, even if you could, what kind of shape is it in? Well, there you go. And... For the most part nowadays, I think the average new car is about $30,000. So you probably pay $3,000 sales tax. Yep. The average used car is probably fifteen dollars to $18,000 and may have a lot of the same problems. Exactly. So anyway, I thought we could kind of talk a bit about that, how to know when it's right, how to know when it's wrong, and so on as that. Let's take a couple of our phone calls. First, we've got Dave on the line. Good morning, Dave. Hey, good morning, Lewis. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. I've got a 1990 F-150 Ford pickup, Mm -hmm. and it's got the dual gas tank. Yes, sir. And for some reason, when I run off my front tank now, it's it's sucking gas out of both of them. Yeah, that was a fairly problematic system, Dave. And 
unfortunately, a lot of the componentry that you need to fix that is no longer available through Ford. Uh-huh. What a lot of folks have done is that they've gone in and converted it to a single tank system, which makes a lot more sense in most cases, unless you are driving a tremendous amount, you really need two fuel tanks. Because what happens with, with the ethanol fuel, which it was not designed to operate on, is if that fuel sits in one tank for a long enough period of time, it starts going through phase separation, starts attacking all the system and all that. And like I said, you just can't get the parts any longer to fix it. Now, Fortunately, with just a little bit of plumbing, you can convert it back to a single system fairly easily. Right. Well, I've just been running off my off my back tank. Or you can do that. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but there, there's a va- there's a valve that yeah there's a valve that connects the two up on the frame rail, and generally that valve will go bad, and what it will do is it'll move fuel from one tank to the other. I've seen that happen before, but like I said, you just can't get the components any longer from Ford, and I don't know if they ever were available aftermarket, and if you find a used one, they're probably going to be in about the same condition yours are in. But, yeah, you can run on one tank or block the other tank off or even replumb for a single tank or just any number of things. So, fortunately, it's not going to keep you from going. And like I said, that was a feature that I guess made some sense for people who used a lot, a lot of fuel, but... Today, you just can't keep fuel that long because of the ethanol they add to it. Right. it. It tends to separate out on you before you use it all. Yeah, well, actually, I've been, I've been running that ethanol free in it. Mm-hmm. You, you pay a little bit more. You do? Yeah, you can still find it. it. Yeah, if you if you can find it. You, you live in the Baton Rouge area, Dave? Yes, I, in you, fact, there's a station not far from my house. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that a, a few of them Several. have opened up that have the non-ethanol fuel. You know, ethanol in my opinion, never really made a lot of sense, not economically or any other way. And now, with the cost of oil being so low, it doesn't make any sense at all. So. Yeah, now, Lewis, I got one more question you for bet. you on that same vehicle. Mm-hmm. It's got a, a big 300 six-cylinder engine. Yes, sir. And it's got an E4 D transmission. Mm-hmm. Now, I was wondering, I want, to, I want to put a V8 in that thing. Okay. And I'm wondering if a 351 Windsor, if that transmission would bolt up to it. I think the belt pattern is going to be different on them. That is an electronically. That it would work, but I don't know. That EO, AOD? No, it's yeah, E4OD. 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 Yeah. That's an electronic control. That's electronic control transmission. Yeah. So you may have trouble getting it to, to shift correctly. You'd have to have without, all the sensors. Right. All, if the new motor were from the same, or the, the replacement motor were from the same year model and all, with the same it, sensors it, 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 and with everything. With all the same sensors and everything, yeah. it, it possibly could work, but then the computer's not going to drive it. Even that older one has a computer on it. Right. And it's probably not going to bolt up. I mean, you would probably be better off if you're going to get another motor is find a motor transmission together. Yeah. Okay. Find a With the electronics for it. Go to like a salvage yard, find the whole package, and, and you could drop it in pretty easily. Now, if you had an AOD, which is a non-electronic yeah. transmission behind that 351, you would still have the four speed, and that yeah. combination would work. You wouldn't have to worry about the electronics to make it to make down the transmission and lock shift. up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to do it right now, but I'm sure I want to. That, that yeah, I mean, it can be done. Way. It can be done. It's just going to yeah. take some doing, you that know. That takes a full house, but, man, I tell you, it will. It, it's, own way. it's got <laughs> some torque. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the big 18-wheelers now run six-cylinder engines in them, you know, because yeah. a six has more torque than an eight does at real low RPM. It's just that the you know the, the V8 course when it starts turning is going to make more power than a six on. But I remember Toyota came under a lot of criticism because that Land Cruiser they kept the six on for so long. Mm-hmm. They had a four point five liter six on in them, and of course what the Toyota engineers saying, hey, you want to pull? It's a pulling vehicle. That's what we need. But everybody wanted a V8, so they built it 
the 470 with a you know V8 in you we can do anything you want, but that old six cylinder will really. I mean, it's got the power. Well, look, guys, thank you so much for your help, and I'm going to get off the line and let somebody else talk. Okay, All Dave. All right, sir. Thank B- you, sir. Thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. 291-6901. If you have a question or a comment, you give us a call. Do our best try to help you out, point you, you in the right direction. There you go. You know, we were just talking to Dave about that little six-cylinder. Uh-huh. That thing was a beast. It was. That was a nice motor. I always did like that. Yeah. The 240 and the 300 were the same basic engine, different displacements. Right. Both of them were a decent engine, though. That, I, I knew several guys that when they went out and they bought that and in that year range, they went out looking for a, a truck. Mm-hmm. They came back with a six-cylinder. Mm-hmm. And I, I always ask them, why, why did you buy a six? I mean, the V8's available. I said, well, I'm pulling this or I'm pulling that. Mm-hmm. or He said, the torque is there. Oh, he yeah. Said, it is strong. Yeah, and really and truly, I think it's just kind of the American way. If have some's a- good, more's better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, everybody wants a V8. But right. when I bought my truck, I specifically had to buy i mean i had to hunt to find a six-cylinder truck oh, that's sure. what i wanted and uh, i got the little v6 in mind i've been just pleased as punch because that little 4.3 liter gm engine gives a lot less problems than that 5.3 ever and, thought about and you know that little 4.3 liter mm-hmm. all that is is a v8 with two cylinders and the end of it cut off well yeah they took a 350 and they took the front off took two middle cylinders out and put, put the it front back together back together it, it's basically the old the old 265 small block chevrolet right that's been all the stuff done two cylinders taken out but yeah that that's a good little motor it that very, little shows design, very little trouble well and the later model ones they've got the roller cams they got right. the port injection and all in them so they've really updated it and everything but yeah that just fundamental design good old push rod motor you yeah. just don't see a whole <laughs> whole lot of issues with it no you don't so let's go back our phone lines with joe good morning joe hey what are you doing doing great man I got a little 2010 Chevy HHR, uh-huh. 2.2, I think. Mm-hmm. I noticed, like, when it's cold now, I started it sputter, and after about 10 seconds, it runs great. It blows smoke out the back when you first start. It looked like gas. I guess it was smelling. Yeah, it could be. Joe, I'm going to tell you, the, the most common thing, you're not getting a check engine light yet? No. Yeah, with no check engine light, the most common thing is going to be a vacuum leak somewhere on the engine. And the reason it's going to smooth out is because when you get a vacuum leak, the you know, when it's cold, it's not closed loop yet. So the O2 sensors aren't reading. So it goes to a default, which is what it's been doing all along. It sets the mixture there based on the temperature. So it's going to be leaner than it should be. And it's going to start to miss and sputter and all that. As soon as it starts to warm up a little bit, the O2s come online and go, hey, we're too lean. They're just going to override, and it's called fuel trim. They'll start adding additional fuel. till it starts running smooth. till it again. runs smooth, which covers up the problem. And if you go in with a scan tool, like a Tech 2 or GDI or something like that, you can read the fuel trim on the engine. It'll tell you. It'll, it's probably adding 15% or so right now, which is enough to cover up that problem. When it gets to about 20%, it's going to throw the check engine light on. It just can't cover it up anymore. It, yeah, it's, it knows, hey, this is too much, so it's going to throw a light on. But that would be the first thing I would do is to bring it to someone who can read the fuel trim on it and see if, if the fuel trim is excessive. Now, to diagnose the problem, you're going to have to get it to them the night before, leave it with them all night so they can experience right. it when it's cold in the morning. You know, If you drive it over there and it's running fine, then they're not going to be able to catch it. I would expect some sort of a vacuum leak, possibly intake manifold gaskets. That's one place they can leak. Could be a throttle body gasket. Could be any number of things, a hose or a connector right. that's split. I mean, but that's 
one of the common things. Now, another thing would be a dirty airflow meter. The airflow meter can get dirty and it can read improperly. Same deal. Once it goes to the closed loop, it's going to override. You know, it says, hey, I'm too lean here. So it's just going to go ahead and add additional fuel. Or, hey, I'm too rich. It's going to cut back the fuel. And that check engine light, when it comes on, it's probably going to give you an O2 code because it's seeing the O2s are out of range. Right. Don't just go start changing O2 sensors. Right. I mean, it's telling you, hey, this is not right. This is the code yeah. that the engineer, when he wrote the software, this is the code that comes on when this happens. You just have to know how to go through it and evaluate it and figure out what's going on. Right. See, it may set an oxygen sensor code, although there's nothing wrong with the oxygen sensor. It's just saying the sensor's out of range. It is out of range because the airflow meter's reading wrong. Or it's out of range because the map sensor's reading wrong. Or it's out of range because the vacuum leaks. See, so... You can't literally take the codes. You have to take them in context of all the things, and that's why a fuel trim is so good. That's why you never, ever want to disconnect a battery on something like that because you lose all that information, and then the tech is, is shooting blind at that point. But, yeah, there'll be some information stored on a later model car like that, and they should be able to pick that up. It, it'll just progressively get worse, and then sooner or later the light will come on when it gets right. bad enough. So how many sensors on there? About four? Uh, as far 2. as oxygen, 2? Uh, 2.2, may, it's going to have at least two. Maybe three. Yeah, one before the converter, one after the converter. Some of them may have three sensors. Yeah. Your V-series, in, all your V-configurations generally That's, have four because they have one on each bank plus two after the converters. But on an inline engine, it's probably only going to have two or three, depending on the design of the design. engine. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't understand no light came on yet. But yeah, well, it's just it's not bad just enough. It's not got there yet. Mm-hmm. It's it right now, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's probably adding additional fuel or subtracting fuel, depending. See, it's just a calculation. The airflow meter says one thing, and the engine temperature says another thing, and history says another thing. And if all those numbers don't add up, then it just compensates by adding or subtracting fuel, but it records that when it does it. So that's how you have some kind of insights to what's going on. All right, bye. All righty. Thank you. All right, Joe. Thanks, man. All right, we're going to take our first quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. Ever plan to motor Got to run, Paul. I'm heading to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it in once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems early. And they remind me of important upcoming maintenance. Things like oil changes, changing my timing belt, tire wear. Yeah, a general inspection each year would be a great thing for my marriage. Paul, thanks for bringing Marie in for her general inspection. Overall, she's in great shape. I did dial back her shopping system to save you a little money, and her nag button was stuck, so I loosened that up so you can work on your golf game and not those honeydews. As far as preventive maintenance, you've got a big anniversary coming up in April, so put that on your calendar, and I'd suggest flowers for no reason and more compliments. And Agco saved me thousands of dollars. Paul? Paul, are you listening? Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Sounds like I need to take Marie... (laughs) I mean my car, into Agco for a general inspection. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, we sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us, and we'd even like getting a call from you more. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Give us something to talk about. That's exactly right. We were talking just a bit before the phone calls about when do you know it's right to fix a car? And I guess there is no absolute answer. There's not. I mean, it just depends on what the vehicle does for you and what kind of shape you're in financially at the time that that you have the repair. To me, I think a lot of it depends. Do you like the car? 
Does it do what you want it to do? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the old Buick that I drive, and I recently had some fairly major repair. I had to redo the whole air conditioning system right. in it. And I thought about it long and hard. I said, you know, I like this car better than anything I've seen on the market. I enjoy driving this car. It gets good gas mileage. It rides well. It does everything that I want to do. So if I spend three grand to fix the air conditioner, I can't buy anything else for $3,000. Oh, that's for sure. And, I mean, this car sits in a parking garage four or five days a week. So yeah, but when it hits the road, it hits the it road. It hits the road, but I don't want it to, you know, you buy a brand new car. You, and it sit, it gets, yeah. a, it gets a dent in it in the parking garage. Now you tick. <laughs> <laughs> a little scratch on it. This you gets know? a dent or a scratch. I don't even notice. Right. <laughs> so there's all sorts of other things that come in to whether you want another car or whether you don't want another car. Right. I mean, if you were trying to haul lumber with it or you know a lawnmower or something like that no it wouldn't be the car to fix would not be the car for me or if i just wanted a new car you know life is too short if you want a new car if that's going to make you happy by all means god bless you go get another car yeah yeah don't even consider it right if you just don't like the car there's something about this car that just really aggravates you every time you get in it you hate it yeah there is no sense in repairing that car Another thing, I guess, would be if there are features on a new car that you want. Uh-huh. And me personally, I don't like the new technology. I just I don't want a car that warns me when I change lanes. I don't want a car with cameras on it. I just don't want that. Right. And I'm not saying other people don't, don't have want a right it. to like it. Exactly. If you want it, good. Get that. Just, I, just not options that we care for. Yeah, it's just something. I It doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care to have all that. So there's no reason for me to want another car. So mm-hmm. it makes a lot more sense because I like this car. It does what I want. It makes a lot more sense for me to, to repair fix the car and mm-hmm. fix the car. Now, if I had a car and I had, let's just say, abused it, okay. for lack of a better term, I kind of changed all sometimes when I thought about it. Never service transmission. Never did this. Never did that. And now it's just having one major problem after another. Well, yeah, that is a good time to bail. Sure. Because the car has given all it's going to give under the circumstances. Now, that's going to vary considerably from car to car. Some vehicles just don't have a track history of being a good long-term vehicle. Right. It's sort of like the little GM SUVs. The, 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 the Cadia GMC Acadia. And the yeah. Encore, is it? Buick Enclave. Enclave. I'm trying to think. There's three or four three, of them. They're all that, the same all body. The same. You know, in our experience, those vehicles are probably good for about eighty or 90,000 miles. If you take care of them, maybe 125, right. 130,000 miles, and they start falling apart. Sure. They're just not designed to, to give long-term service like the older cars were. Now, if you've got, let's say, a Toyota or an Acura or one of the cars that are more designed for long-term service, you've taken care of it, mm-hmm. then that's a vehicle you want to consider putting money into. So Correct. there's a number of factors that you kind of have to weigh before you decide to put a whole lot of money into a car. Now, if you haven't had a general inspection done on a car where they go through and check all the things that are wrong and are pending to be wrong. This would be an excellent time before making that decision. Let's say your car, you're an average driver. You kind of take care of the car, but not really. And then you're faced with a major repair. Before going plank down $2,500, $3,000 on a car, it might be wise to pay someone to do a full general inspection on the car. Let's find out where we stand. Right. Look it over, see what's going on, see what's coming up. 
That's right. See what hasn't been done that's you know, maybe got overlooked. Just say, you know, it needs a timing belt. Yeah. Well, now you're in a timing belt. That's a pretty big job. Yeah, that's right. Six, eight hours, depending on the vehicle. Well, you know, we go through cars all the time because we do do a lot of large repairs. And a lot of times people will ask, is this car worth fixing? And just like I'm giving on the air now, sure. I usually give the advice, let's do a general inspection. Let's look it over. We'll go into one car and we'll check. And I said, well, you know, other than this big repair, this car doesn't need a whole lot of anything else. Right. It's got good tires on it. The brakes are good. The AC is blowing nice and cold. There's no leaks in it. The engine's running the fine. Engine's There's running no noises fine. in it. The cooling system is in, in good, good repair. On and on and on and on down line. The exhaust system is all nice and solid on it. There's no rust under the car. Right. It hasn't been wrecked and repaired badly. All these things. This car is worth putting this money into. Sure. Because right now, let's say the car needs a transmission. Well, it's worth zero right now because it doesn't move. Right. If you take took it and went and traded in on a new one, you yeah. wouldn't get nothing for it. Well, they may tell you we're going to give you $3,000. Yeah, yeah, but, but this going to be gold. There, yeah. Go down there without a trade and you'll still get $3,000. <laughs> oh, you're not getting anything for the car. Right. So what we could do, we could drop three grand into this car, probably drive it two to three more years. Sure. And still get our three grand back out of it. It'll always be worth $3,000 if it's running. Right. You know, it, just about any car on the road that runs yeah. and the air conditioning works is right. probably worth three thousand dollars to somebody. So, under those circumstances, the car is well worth putting some money into and then driving it on. And another thing is, you're not under the gun. You can have the repair done in probably just a couple of days. Sure. Whereas, if you have to make the decision to buy a car. I don't know if you ever bought a car, but it, it usually doesn't happen in a day or two. Uh, if it does, you usually yeah. regret it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to give it a whole lot of thought. Now, let's go to the other side of the coin. We do the general inspection. Okay, well, the brakes are metal on metal. The cooling system is totally yes. corroded up. Right. It hasn't taken the heater core out or the radiator, but it's, it's right there. Right. It's got oil leaks coming out of every seal. The rear main seal's leaking. The front seal's leaking. Valve cover's leaking. Valve cover's timing leaking. cover's leaking. Power yeah. steering pump's making noise. Well, no. this it would, be, it would be foolish to put a lot of money into this car. Because this is not the end of your problems. Right. You're it's not, just getting started. You're not going to drop three grand in here and drive three more years. No. Not with a car in that condition. So it, it's best to take that vehicle and donate it. Yeah. Right. Take a, a donation. Take a, a write-off on your taxes with it. Go get you another car and start all over. And, and don't make the same and mistakes. Don't, exactly. <laughs> Learn from the mistake you made the first yeah. time and go on from there be that picking a better car initially or taking care of the car that you get yeah i see a lot of people fall into that i'm gonna go buy another car well they buy another used car mm-hmm. one that's not very reliable right it still has some or problems one hasn't been taken care of hasn't been taken care of and they're back in the shop look i got this new car and it's new to me right but i've got this problem now in this car whereas if you would have went out and you'd have bought Let's say a better car, say a, right. a Toyota or a Honda, something well, in, a, in a better condition. Had a pre-purchase inspection and done. And had an inspection done on it. That's the key. Get a pre-purchase inspection on anything you buy. Because even the best car in the well, line sure. could have problems. Yeah, it could be a wonderful car. Well, I remember but if it's been wrecked and cut in half and welded back together, it's probably going to be problematic. We had a customer brought us four or five cars. Right. And we kept finding something that was majorly so wrong major. with them. Mm-hmm. And he kept bringing the same car back. He had it in his mind. He this is the that car. was the car he wanted. It was, right, right. was a good car. It was. In fact, I think it was Toyota Camry. If I'm not it was. mistaken. And we found five of them that didn't didn't cut the the bill. So we had to take. He finally brought us that sixth when we went through it mm-hmm. and found him a good vehicle. Right, and he and, kept that one for years. Yes, he did. He kept it for years and years and years. But 
Yeah, we got one, opened it up, and the trunk was full of water. Right. And that was it had been, right it had there. been wrecked in the back. It was leaking water in there. It had rust all over the floor. No use going any further nope. with this. You know, this, is, this is not a car that you want to purchase. Exactly. So, hey, we'll take a quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. Kate, we can shop tomorrow. I'm off to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I, I mean vehicle. Uh, improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We were talking a little bit today about when it's right to buy a car, maybe when repair the old car, and right. such as that. But we'll take a question on any call you might have. That we will. Any topic in your mind, you can just give us a call. We still have plenty of time to get your questions answered thoroughly. We surely do. You know, I always had a formula in my mind that I've used. And to me, it's worth about $200 a month to drive a car. Okay. Now, that includes buying the car, all the repairs that I do on it. And, I mean, I don't count stuff like gas because i got to put gas in any car I buy. Right. So I can't really count that. That's not a fair comparison. What I'm trying to do is decide whether it's cheaper to keep this car or get something else. And so I keep a little flow chart there. And when I look at a big repair, I look at it in the context of time. In other words, let's say I've got a $2,400 repair to do. All right. At 200 a month, that's about 12 months worth of driving. Okay. So I have to ask myself, can I reasonably assume that if I made this repair, I could drive 12 months without any major repair at all? And if the answer is yes, then it's, yes. A, it's a pretty good deal for me. If the answer is no, now it's time to bail. Right. And, of course, there's always a certain amount of guesswork. It's a reasonable, educated assumption. But, again, everything in life is risk and reward. The more risk you will assume, the more reward you're going to make. And whether that's whether buying stocks or fixing a car or anything else, the less risk you can tolerate, the more money you're going to buy. Mm-hmm. Words, a brand-new car with a warranty is fairly low risk. Sure. But you're but, going to spend the maximum amount. Actually, by the time you calculate in the depreciation and the higher insurance premiums because you're insuring a more expensive piece of property and all that, it costs you a lot more oh, money yeah. because you're trying to avoid all risk. What most astute money managers that I know, they will tell you, you cannot avoid all risk, and it's not sensible to try to avoid all risk. To avoid all risk, you're not going to live life. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is manage your risk. In other words, I can afford to take this risk because it's not going to wipe me out, so therefore I can save some money by doing such and such and such. Okay. You know, an example would be like on my cars, I drive two older cars, so I don't carry collision insurance or comprehensive insurance on them. I just self-insure mm-hmm. because my cars are probably worth 
$3,000 on the market, maybe. It just doesn't make sense for me to insure that. If I lost that car, it would tick me off, but it wouldn't wipe me out financially. I'd just right. go get another, another car. car. So I don't have to pay somebody $800, $900 a month, or excuse me, a year to insure against a broken windshield or dent. If my windshield yeah. breaks, I'll change it myself. And I'm still going to come out dollars ahead. I can just self-insure. Now, if I go and buy a $50,000 car and I finance it, I don't have that option. Right. I've got to carry full coverage The on finance it. company requires because they are putting the bill for this vehicle. They're covering the property, so therefore they want it fully covered. That's right. Now, once and, it's paid off, yeah, then, then you, you can do what you want. Well, and again, you have to make a decision if you don't have the money to lose this car. In other words, if something were to happen and you were to lose this car and it was not covered, there was somebody ran to you, they didn't have insurance, mm-hmm. or you got in a wreck and it was your fault. Can you afford to walk away from this car and get you something else to go in? Right. If you've got enough resources to cover that, then that's fine. You don't have to insure it. If you don't, then you do have to insure it because paying seven or $800 a month is better maybe than having to come up with $30,000 at one All time at once. if you don't have $30,000. Yeah. Now, me personally, like I said, if my car got wrecked, I'd probably go buy another $3,000 car. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, about every two or three years, I'm saving more money than sure. I'm, gonna, than I'm risking. And I've been driving for I don't know how many years now, I guess since I was 15 years old, and I've never had a car totaled and wiped out like that. So I, it's just not, yeah, knock on wood, <laughs> I, it, it's, it's, I'm way, way, way dollars sure. ahead. But sure. again, I can afford to take the risk. Right. But when you buy a new car, that's another factor you have to weigh in there. Number one, the sales tax you're going to pay on the new car. And number two, you have a much more expensive piece of property that so, you have to insure in many cases most most people don't think about that you know they they, see the the note once a month and figure well i can afford that and then you call the insurance company and they say whoa wait a minute yeah you're trying to insure this so the the price is going to be this now instead of what you were paying and it's a it's a bigger expense than most people realize it can definitely be now i've seen people where they get into a car where they pay more for the car than it's worth and they have to purchase what they call gap insurance sure because if that car were to get totaled it's not worth near what you owe on it. Mm-hmm. This happens a lot, particularly with high-dollar, like European cars. You go buy a Porsche, you pay $150,000 for it, you drive it off the lot, and it's worth about 60000 Right. <laughs> and so if it gets wrecked tomorrow, you still owe the rest of the, one thirty the at the bank. This thing's worth about sixty. The insurance company can't check for sixty, so have a nice day. Yep. And you're thirty k upside down. You got to purchase that, another right. type of insurance to cover that gap in coverage. That happens a lot on lease vehicles, mm-hmm. where you lease the vehicle, but if it gets totaled, the insurance company is only going to pay what that car is worth. Right. You're going to end up paying the remainder of that lease. Now, if you hadn't been in the lease very long, let's say you lease the car, wreck it the next day. Well, it's a used car. Oh, it's yeah. worth this much. That lease is still fully enforced and has to be paid. Right. So it doesn't matter if you got the car or not. That payment comes due right then. So now you're going to have to buy another type of insurance to cover that unless you've got the cash that you can plank down to to cover that. Now, you know, we were talking just a little bit, and I see we got a call there online. I don't want to keep them holding too long, but we were talking a little bit about a used car and a used car inspection. Sure. I'd like to get into that a lot more right right after the call. And we've got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, man. Good morning. I really appreciate your program. In the past, you've helped me considerable. Well, thank you. My granddaughter has bought a car and is kind of sight unseen at night and from one of the major dealers. Mm-hmm. And 
we're having a lot of problems with it. Uh, I don't want to become a parts changer, but the code on it came up with check engine light. The code said that there's frequent misfires on cylinder four. Okay. What kind of car is it, Mike? It's a 2011 Jetta. Okay. I'm going to tell you, it's a gasoline engine? Yes, it is. The first thing I would do, Mike, is go in and take the spark plug on cylinder four and move it to number three and put the one from number three on number four. Then take the ignition call off number four and move it to number two and take the call off number two and put it on number four. Make sure you write all that down. Write it all down, right. Go drive the car and check the code. Now, if the misfire stays on number four, you can eliminate the ignition system. It's not the call. It's not the plug. If it moves... Okay, well, that's the expensive way to do it. (laughs) And really doesn't tell you much because you could have got a bad part. Not likely, but you can also get a bad part. Okay, the misfire is still there after that. The next thing you'd want to do is take the injector and move the injector from number four to another cylinder and see if the misfire moves. If the misfire does not move, then you need to check compression on that cylinder and see if you got compression. Now, if you got low compression on that cylinder, you're into a big deal. Right. In fact, you might want to just go ahead and check compression before you change the injector because it's probably easier. What about checking the fuel pressure? No, no, no. Fuel pressure can't make it miss on one cylinder. It make it miss on all the cylinders. So you because it's fuel all related. On all the cylinders, right? Well, that code comes up that that's, that's the first thing that the uh, computer catches, and it and it loads that in, into its brain, and that's what they're pulling. Well, if, if it's got a P zero four zero four three zero four three zero four, I'm sorry. That's, it, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna that's be a, a misfire cylinder. on cylinder four. That is something unique to cylinder four. Right. It's not the air coming in because the air coming yeah. in goes to all the cylinders. It's not yeah. the fuel coming in because the same fuel goes to all the cylinders. Now, it could be the injector, like Lewis was saying. It could be an injector. It could be low compression on that right. cylinder. Something it could related be to that one cylinder. A wire going to the injector. It could be a yeah. wire going to the call. Right. I mean, it could be a lot of stuff. But we, yeah. if you start with a compression check and you find that the compression is the same in four all through the engine, then you know the, engine's, you know the engine's fine. It's something yeah. on the outside. If you yeah. check the compression, you're low. You, you're low you got four. 40 pounds of compression in that hole. There ain't no sense going on. Right. Because I mean, you know something's wrong inside that cylinder. Right. You could have yeah. a broke ring. You could have a valve, valve, stuck valve right. on and on and on, bad camshaft, all kinds of stuff. Right. But yeah. you know you're getting into a major deal. Now it's time to call the lawyers and, you yeah. know, <laughs> depending on how long you had right. the car. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, my son, I've been trying to convince my son-in-law to take it to you. I listen to you. On yeah, well, I don't work on European cars, so I wouldn't be a good one on that. But anybody who works European cars could, could handle sure. that for them pretty, pretty easily. Okay. But it'd be way dollars cheaper to have bring it to somebody let, that knows what they're doing. Because with just a few checks, like I said, the first thing I do is compression check. I think it'll cost a whole lot. If it's got a major problem in the engine, there's no sense going on with this. Right. Because yeah. this is going to get extremely expensive real fast. And you can do that in yeah. less than an hour. Yeah, less than an hour's time. You can do that. Now, let's say the compression is good. Okay, well, now we're into, like I said, an injector or maybe a wire going to. Uh, I mean, a rodent could have got up there and chewed the wire on number four injector. It's sure. not getting a pulse. Sure. Mm-hmm. All kinds of stuff. I mean, I could name stuff for days that can cause a misfire. But the point is, you can run out of money before you run out of guesses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, well, they've already put about eight thousand dollars into buying the car. Yeah, uh, and uh, he—I he, noticed whenever he drove it home uh, that night, I looked in there and the headliner was all gone. Yeah, he had already bought the car. How long has he had it, Mike? Uh, we've had the car about six months. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You passed the. Yeah, you got ninety days basically in yeah. Louisiana under retribution law, but. I mean, if it's a major defect in the engine, you could still argue the point that hey. You know, this existed when I got the car, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It just becomes a much weaker case after 90 days. But yeah. 
I mean, I would. You need to start out somewhere, and I'd start out with a compression test to see if the engine's healthy. If the engine's healthy, then you got something to work with. If the engine's not healthy, then you just got to do. I just right cut my losses at this point and walk away, or what do I do? Exactly. You know, yeah. No well, sense to keep I, dumping money into it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your program, and thanks for talking with me. All right, Mike. Sure. Thanks for calling, man. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, 291 is the number. There you go. And, you know, that's where a general inspection would have came in and, and maybe saved yeah, them some money. A pre-purchase inspection, because most likely, even if it weren't setting a check engine light, it had the code pending in the probably computer. probably could have picked up mode 6. You could have picked up on that misfire, pending misfire on that cylinder. And, again, it wouldn't even, if, if you're serious about buying a car, run a compression test before you buy it. Sure. And that's not something we normally do. But if you have a misfire on a cylinder and you're thinking about buying the car, then that makes all the sense in the world. As long as the engine compression is, is good, good, we know the engine is basically pretty healthy. Right. And the problem is probably outside. on the outside. It's going to be relatively inexpensive by comparison to an engine compression problem which is almost always going to be something inside the engine. Correct. So it gets real, real expensive real fast. I see all our lines have lit up. Let's go back to line one with Paul. Good morning, Paul. Hey, good morning, folks. Happy New Year. Well, thank you. Good morning. Uh, look, I got a couple of issues with a 2008 Impala, mm-hmm. and one of them is power steering fluid. I don't notice any leaks anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't have any spots on the ground or yes, anything. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Over about a two-month period, I've put almost a quart yeah. of yeah. It's, fluid in. I'll tell you the very most common thing, Paul. Okay. If you get under the car, look at the rack and pinion. It's got two big rubber boots, one on either end, right? made like a little accordion. Okay. There's a little band on there. Just cut that little band and pull that boot back, and fluid's going to probably come pouring out. Just don't be under it when you don't pull it Don't be under it when you do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And right. that boot is not right. a seal. That's not supposed to hold fluid in. That's to keep dust and dirt out. The seal is inside the rack. So if it's leaking there, you got to replace the rack and right, pinion. But the boot's going to collect it. It will there. collect it. And Until they, it can't anymore. They can hold about a quart yeah. of fluid or so, and then it'll just come gushing out at some point anyway. But almost every time you have a leak that you can't find on that car, that's where it's going to be. Okay, should I bring that to the dealership and let them do that or do somewhere? No, no I would sir. take it to a good independent shop. The price will be less. The work will probably be better. I use a dealership only for warranty work. Oh, okay. I mean, generally, a dealership is going to be more expensive than anyone else, and ironically, in my opinion, doesn't do as good a work as a lot of other shops would. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Okay, second thing, typical on that vehicle, the temperature mix click 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 yeah yeah the actuator, yeah, actuator. Mm-hmm. yeah right how hard is that to change not up? too hard on some, that one some are difficult to get to some are not yeah there, there's four of them on there and they are relatively inexpensive compared to like the pickup trucks and all you know the actuators on a chevy pickup are about 300 dollars a piece and you got to pull half the dash out yeah, to get to them those are about 40 or 50 dollars a piece and i think about two and a half hours you can change all four of them change all four of them and, and relearn them rehome them after you get them in and you shouldn't have any more problems out right of it. right very common problem though calibration procedure you gotta go there through. is there is there is it's a, yes, a regular scan tool you go through you have to rehome them uh which tells them where home position is but any shop i mean any good independent shop can handle Should, that yeah. for you and i mean it's, it's not a big deal all righty. All right. Y'all have a good one and a wonderful new year. Thanks, Thank you, Paul. sir. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Two nine one sixty nine zero one, and we've got Tim online. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I've got a 2001 GMC Yukon, and mm-hmm. brake light, brake ABS light will, will come on. Mm-hmm. It's intermittent. Mm-hmm. Usually when it comes on and you're driving, it'll 
Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a new key cycle. Right. Every time it's a new drive cycle, it's going to clear it, put it in history. That's going to be fairly easy to diagnose, Tim. You just need to bring it in to someone who can get to the chassis module and have a code stored in that chassis module for whatever's causing it. Now, that doesn't tell you what's wrong. It just tells you the area that's causing the problem. Right, and that's not going to turn a check engine light on. No. It, it uses the brake light for its check engine light. So when that brake light and that ABS light come on, it's telling you, hey, there's a problem here. And like Lewis was saying, you have to have a, a, a scan tool to get into the chassis module to pull the code out to start the diagnostic process. Right. Some of the most common things, the wheel speed sensors go out a fair amount yeah. on those. There's four of them on it or three of them, depending uh, on the design. On a Yukon, it should have four. Okay. One of the four of those may be bad. The wire going to it, sometimes a rodent getting there and chew on the wire calls Some, that. Sometimes the modules the go module out. The module on the frame rail will go out. Those are obscenely expensive from GM, but we rebuild them. So we normally recommend bringing in, we can check it. Pull it off, rebuild yours, and then put it back on for a lot less than what it would cost to replace it. But those are the most common things that cause them mm-hmm. light. Well, I did some research, and that ECM is mm-hmm. about a thousand or eleven. It is right. Yeah, we rebuild them so They're considerably okay. less, considerably less than that. Okay, well that's good news. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that was my question. All right, Tim. Have a happy new year. Thanks, Thank man. you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Let's see. We got time to catch one more call for the break. Yeah. All right. Okay. We got Jesse online. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Have a 2002 Silverado with a five three. Mm-hmm. And last summer I put a new radiator, a GM radiator, mm-hmm. end cap on the reservoir. Mm-hmm. And I got to think about afterwards about what split that radiator. Of course, I know they have problems with some of them splitting. Well, well, I mean, that, that was the age. original radiator, yeah. Jesse. I mean, that you thing did is good. 15 years old. You did real good. Right. You know? right. It, it's just well, plastic. It heats and cools. Splits between the two. Uh, between the fins on the side of the tank? Yeah, on the side of the tank on the left side. Oh, uh, the left tank at the bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's what they do. I Pretty mean, common. That's just, that's just age. I mean, yeah. it's a piece of plastic. It's going from 220 degrees to ambient temperature several times a day. It's just going to crack. Right. Well, what my concerns uh even though I put a new GM cap on my reservoir, I pulled it off, got the test drought, and it's a 15-pound cap. Mm-hmm. And I pumped it up and got to 27 pounds, and I stopped. Yeah, well, and you don't want to do that. Well, I know, but what relieves the... Uh, it's got a spring in the cap. Sir? It's got a spring in the cap. Now, you got to make sure you got the right adapter because yeah. they're... If you got an old tester with just no, a sir. regular adapter, you got to have the adapter that will fit that cap. It's about a year-old gate. Yeah, is it made for that cap, though? Because there's about 200 different adapters to fit different caps. Right. And if you got the wrong one, it's not going to relieve. Well, uh, then it's got to be a bad cap. Yeah. That's what I would say. Okay, well, I got the old cap out, kept it as a spare, mm-hmm. and it done the same thing. Well, you got the wrong something, adapter. Yeah, then. something's got to be yeah, wrong with it. So tool. something on your test is, is not working right. because they we test those things all day long, and they're going to pop off right at 15 pounds thereabouts. Right. Well, it's it's probably think. the adapter you got the seats too high, and it's pushing it all the way in where it can't relieve. Right, I went back and got, I've got an older tester, about four or five years old, mm-hmm. and got it out. And it has a uh, metal cap in there mm-hmm. as a uh, sample to test with. Mm-hmm. And I pumped it up, and when it got to the 17 marked mm-hmm. number on there, it released. You couldn't yeah. pump it in. Mm-hmm. It just bypass. Yeah, I think you probably got either the wrong adapter. Maybe the, the paperwork may be wrong. You may have the wrong adapter. Because, boy, they're they literally just dozens of adapters. And they all look about alike. A lot of them will hook on. But, again, if the seat is in the wrong spot and it pushes the, it pushes it up against the spring while it's testing, it can't go any further, so it can't relieve. Okay, I'll go dig in. 
like everything nowadays, man. Oh, yeah. Nothing is as easy as it should be. Yes, sir. Appreciate your help. All right, All right Jesse. Sir. Thanks, man. Bye bye. All right, take our last quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. Gotta run, Paul. I'm heading to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it in once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems early. And they remind me of important upcoming maintenance. Things like oil changes, changing my timing belt, tire wear. Yeah, a general inspection each year would be a great thing for my marriage. Paul, thanks for bringing Marie in for her general inspection. Overall, she's in great shape. I did dial back her shopping system to save you a little money, and her nag button was stuck, so I loosened that up so you can work on your golf game and not those honeydews. As far as preventive maintenance, you've got a big anniversary coming up in April, so put that on your calendar, and I'd suggest flowers for no reason and more compliments. And Agco saved me thousands of dollars. Paul? Paul, are you listening? Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Sounds like I need to take Marie. <laughs> me my car into agco for a general inspection keep your car on the road longer schedule your general inspection today at agco automotive agco it's the place to go hooray your holiday shopping's done you killed it you got deals on gifts for everyone from nana to your nephew to your neighbor's cat and of course you absolutely totally got everything you wanted for yourself there's nothing else you could possibly think of getting but did you check ebay Check eBay Fashion and get unmissable deals on all the styles you really wanted this holiday season. Like up to 70% off the hottest fashion brands like Adidas, Steve Madden, and Calvin Klein. eBay end of season sale going on now. eBay, fill your cart with color. Jolie Pearl, slice in New Orleans in Baton Rouge. Featuring oysters cooked 11 different ways. Try our bestseller, the Brian Bacon Oyster, as well as Boudin and Barbecue Nola style. Every Tuesday, we feature a different grilled oyster for $1.25. Joe Lee Pearl, downtown, 315 North Boulevard, in the heart of Town Square. Visit them online at jolieoysterbar.com. Peak Performance is now open at 750 Jefferson Highway on the corner of Jefferson and Clay Cut. Stop by and see my friend Patrick Cook, board-certified and fellowship-trained physical therapist with over 10 years of experience. Patrick and his team specialize in treating hips, ACL, spine injuries, and rotator cuffs using the latest options, dry needling, A-STEM, manipulation, and biomechanics training. It's peak performance now open, corner of Jefferson and Clay Cut. Answers to life money problems in real time. Was it resulted in to live debt-free, to live on a budget, to live on less than you make, to always save, to always give, and to always value quality relationships? What has what that resulted in? It's resulted in wealth, and that's the formula for wealth building. So pardon me if I think your little credit card points are stupid. Pardon me if I don't go along with this idea that you want to borrow money to get your education. Dave Ramsey, weekdays 1 to 4 p.m. on Baton Rouge's Talk Leader. Talk 107.3 FM, WBRP. It's Bill Profita reminding you you can support St. Vincent de Paul by donating your old car, truck, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Find out more at svdpbr.com or call 383-7837. All-Star Family. The Ford year-end sales event continues at All-Star Ford Lincoln in Prairieville, at All-Star Ford in Denham Springs, and all this month. That includes A-plan pricing for you. 
That's right. Waiting until the end of the year has paid off. The A-Plan. It's simple. It saves you lots of money, and there's no haggling over price. And at All-Star, we are offering it to you on every new 2017 and 2018 Ford car and SUV in stock. Plus, many of them come with big Ford factory rebates and special incentives, too. Seriously, you save with the A-Plan. And not just on one or two cars. A-Plan pricing for everyone on every new Ford car or SUV in stock. Any of them. Plus, some Ford factory rebates and special incentives. Don't miss end-of-the-year savings. Get to All-Star Ford Lincoln and Breweryville, 17742 Airline Highway next to Canes, at All-Star Ford in Denham Springs, off I-12 exit 10, across from the Bass Pro Shop, or online at allstarautomotive.com. All-Star Family! Credit plus tax title and license. Must finance with Ford Motor Credit for A-Plan pricing. Vehicles must be in stock. See dealer for details. Ends one Here's Gordy Rush with a Citrus Bowl report from Relief Windows. Gordy Rush with the Tigers in sunny Orlando, High of 72 today over in Central Florida where the Tigers are going to practice early. They're going to go with a 945 start. And a good sign for LSU has been a return of offensive lineman K.J. Malone. He hurt his knee in the Florida game, and he's been at practice during this whole bowl season. Now, for the LSU defense, they're going to have quite a challenge. Dual threat quarterback Brandon Wimbush, he can run it, he can throw it. Six foot one, 228 pounds, struggled against an athletic defense in Miami, similar to LSU's. Look for Dave Aranda to put some pressure on the Irish quarterback. The Citrus Bowl report brought to you by Relief Windows. For replacement windows, doors, gelled wind wood windows, and hardy plank siding, visit us at reliefwindows.com or call today, 288-8138. That's 288-8138. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. If you don't get a chance to give us a call today, you can always reach us. That's right. You can always go to our website. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. We talked just a little bit on pre-purchase inspection, and we mentioned a wrecked car. Correct. And, you know, buying a wrecked car does not necessarily mean you're getting a problem. Exactly. Now, I would have a problem buying a car that was totaled by an insurance company. Someone bought it to fix it and resell it. Right. That's that's where I draw the line. Yeah, because generally the way they do that is they're, they're going to try to flip this car. They're going to try to make money. The way they make money is by cutting all the quality of the car exactly but if you had just a regular repair done guy drove it a couple of years now he's selling the car it may be as good as any car but there again pre-purchase inspection pre-purchase inspection before you sign on the dotted line exactly <laughs> i see we're just about out of time i want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every saturday morning I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening also tell your friends and go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service whichever that might be we'll find a written review and fill it up for us that's right give us a written review it's going to move us up in the ranking so that when people type in auto repair our show comes up close to the top of the list more people click on it we can get out there more and there stay you on the air longer <laughs> <laughs> preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend <laughs>